All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us once again for the third installment in the Christian philosophy series. Now, the subtitle tonight is, Is the Bible True? Is the Bible true? Oh, Lord, don't we all hope so? You just opened up a can of worms. Is the Bible true? And I love it. <laughs> all right. So, now on our outline, um, Andrew starts with something different. Let's go to 1 Samuel 16 and 7. First <clears throat> Samuel 16, and we're looking at verse 7. So this is the Lord speaking to the prophet Samuel. It says in the King James, but the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance but the Lord looketh on the heart. What I have refused him. What's that? What's that mean in modern terms? In the Greek, let's look at yeah. Strong's. To spawn, to disappear, to reject, to Can refuse, cast away. In the Amplified, verse seven says, "And and here this is." Talking about obviously Saul versus David, mm -hmm. right? In the Amplified says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. <clears throat> now, just hitting some of the bullet points on the outline before we dig in says, Although people focus on behavior, and appearance, people focus on behavior and appearance. The Bible approaches change from the heart level. Humans want to deal with external things, but God's way is to deal with the heart. The heart is the source of your external behaviors, is where your speech and actions come from. All right, next bullet point. Man puts emphasis on cleaning up the outward appearance, but God says clean the inside and the outside will be clean also. Now, let's go to Matthew 23 and 26. <clears throat> now this is Jesus talking to the, the Pharisees here. All right, because actually I'm gonna start at, yeah, I'll start a little further back. Start in 19, go down to verse 26. And it says, Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Whosoever therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it, and by all things thereon. And who shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it, and by him 
that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven, swear by the throne of God, and by him that sitteth therein. 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you paid tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have, have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Those ought ye have done, and not leave the other undone. Ye blind guides, which strain at a gnat and swallowed a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisees, clean first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. I'm going to read verse 27 as well. It says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like white, white sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outside, but are within full of dead man's bones and of all uncleanness. Now, Jesus didn't pull no punches on this. Mm -mm. So, we see a, a emphasis on the point of an outward appearance being polished, looking good, but having an inward reality that is the opposite of that. Yeah. Now, we're talking about Christian philosophy, right? Now, how many of you just personally, before, before you came to the Lord, have looked at some professing Christians that will fit this description right here. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <clears throat> I knew people that went to church, but I never thought of them as Christians. Because mm -hmm. in the town I lived in, it was Catholic churches everywhere. And these guys went to uh, confession, but they were out getting drunk and getting high like everybody else. So I, I didn't see any difference to people that went to church. People did. Okay. I had a, um, we had a family member. Um, she's actually an in-law. One of my, well, they're divorced now, but my aunt's in-laws that I grew up with. She's still an aunt. My mom is, you know what I'm talking about. Um, she loves Jesus. And I mean, she was able to see the truth and stick with her relationship with God through, mm -hmm. I don't know what to do, but she's confessed to my mom. She's talked to me too that she almost got driven crazy when she first kind of came to know the Lord and stuff. She said it because in our family, there were some things, not like us personally, but just like some other family members who they love God, but they had a lot of issues going on. Mm -hmm. And they gave her like a like mixed signal. And she literally like, she felt the love and she knew she felt like the spirit of God and she felt love. But there was a lot of criticism and stuff too when the spirit of God wasn't moving in relationships. And you know, I mean, and she, I, she, she literally almost, almost went, like, was driven crazy. She almost had a nervous breakdown because, because it was so like, you know, God was too face God. Yeah. It wasn't him. It was the, mm -hmm. Just as a note to this, and, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. But really, she's cool now. She loved Jesus, but it was yeah, just the point, you know. She's fine now. She knows yeah. the truth, all the truth. Well, you know, as so much she knows now, but right. it was hard. Because I, I read all of that and I posed the question that I did because the subtitle is, is the Bible true? 
And I know y'all have heard the, the preacher phrase that says, there's some Bible, the, the Bible that some people, the only Bible that some people read is you, right? Yes. Right. And see, and you see how here in Matthew 23, Jesus is exposing, you know, the scribes and the Pharisees here in the, the, the emphasis on the externals, on the outward appearance, on these things. But you look at verse 23, it says, Ye pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, faith. These ought ye have done, and not leave the other undone. Now you see how if there's this optical illusion going on where you have individuals that are professing Christians, believers, mm -hmm. and say that they believe the Bible, they believe scripture, they trust the Lord, yet there's, there, there's, a, there's a dissidence, there's a difference between the profession and the fruit. And don't you know that type of schism, the difference, is going to support this question. Is the Bible true or is it a sham? The lead teacher in my department came to me one day because we had another teacher who was a Christian. And the lead teacher said to me, she says she's a Christian. She says, if that's your definition of a Christian, I don't want to be one. And I, and I tried to explain to her, we have a belief system that doesn't mean that we're not fallible and mm -hmm. that we're not going to make mistakes. And she said something about me. I said, don't put me on a pedestal because I'm just as capable as, as doing something to disappoint you as anybody else. Mm -hmm. But she was looking at the person's behavior, right? which granted was not a good example, but... People get confused. Like you said, that, uh, well, if that's a Christian, I don't want anything to do with it. I had a lady I used to work with at one of my jobs, and um, I don't know what I'm talking about, but anyways, this lady, um, she was very big about going to church, and you knew she loved the Lord. I'm not really believe I know she's a believer, so she was just, I think it was her thing. Like, if you didn't, I mean, we need to go to church, but I mean, she was really big on, like, yeah. Like, it would be, like, five of us ladies at work, you know, we'd hang, off, hang out off the clock or something. She'd be like, would you really want to go to church with us? Do you want to go to church with us? And I had a really funny area in my life where I was very funny about church because it just hurts when it and stuff. And I'm not saying it was right. I didn't say it was wrong. I'm just saying I was very tender about it. And it was just might have not been the specific church I wanted to go to, if that makes sense. But anyhow, I'd be standing there sometimes. I'd be thinking, I don't know some of the other girls, some of their dirt and stuff. I'm not that I'm picking, but I'm thinking... She'd get really funny with me, like you could tell, like, oh, you need to go to church. And some of these other girls were going to church, I'm like, not that I was judging them, thinking, like, do you know what they, you know, like, I mean, they're going to church, but I'm not, but I'm trying to live a semi-holy life, you know, and, at that time in my life. And anyway, I would get kind of frustrated with them and stuff, and I I knew this lady loved the Lord, and I knew, you know, she would give, she would give, she'd bake for us and cook and everything, and store. And anyway, one day I was sitting there thinking, I go, God, I'm just so frustrated, I go, why? And, you know, I was a little upset here talking with God. And I heard God say, she would give her life for you. 
And I go like, wow. And I knew God was trying to show me, it's like, you know, we all have some time, a little thing, like our flat, you know, where we look at like, you need to go to church, but she had a lot of love in her heart from God. And she was the type that, you know, it's like, wow, for God to show me that. So, you know, it's like looking past the, you know, outward appearance, you know, sometimes we all fail. You know? <laughs> That's good. I just think that argument carries more, has more weight to it, depending on what position you have in the body of Christ. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, if you're a preacher, whatever you tell you, if you're in leadership position, that particular question carries more weight. Because mm-hmm. you're held to a higher standard. And yeah. People say, if, you know, you're a preacher, this, then, okay, they still you have a higher responsibility, expectation, and yeah. especially you could find somebody in leadership not living the way they're supposed to live. And it's like, oh, yeah, I know it ain't true, because look at this. Yeah. It's hard, yeah. But if we're not living that righteous life in front of our next door neighbor, they're never going to get to see the pastor. Well, that's true. I agree with that. Exactly. Absolutely. Right. Right. So now, how do we how do we reconcile all this? Right. Because we see the reality of you know how un unholy just unrighteous behavior can taint people's view of who Christ is and, and, and the faith. However, Jesus died for who? All. all. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So what do you really see Jesus communicating to these Pharisees here? They were saying one thing and doing another. They were judging people the wrong way. They were going to the outside because that's what they did. That's what Jesus was trying to tell them. Check your own heart before. It, are you really loving someone? Just because you have on all these robes and all this, or you have to be perfect on the outside, check your heart. Make sure you have love. The love is coming through. That's what this is all about, is love. The relationship. And it was saying, we're talking about is, I knew this, I know this lady, she loves God very much too. I know this lady, you know, not, that's what I'm not even saying, there's no malice, nothing. But she could be very, very hateful in some of the way she would convey Christian values or just the way she'd act. But then one minute, you know, she, I teach you classes and do this and this and this. And that is what we're just saying. It's very confusing to a person where I'm like, well, what is right, you know, it's like just show the love of God. I think I think these guys were dressing and acting for people to see. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They, sure. they, all like they're hiding what was the inside, and they were this, on the this, outside. This. They were they're pompous, and, but inside they didn't care about. And uh, they were hateful. And and they didn't have a love. That's them. another thing. When someone says Jesus was all inclusive, he loved everybody. Say, so well, he might have loved them, but he wasn't all inclusive. He did tell them, "You're full of dead men's bones. You you look like a grave." See, he didn't say, no, that's hard. That's hard stuff. Mm-hmm. Y'all are just, you know, keep going there. Well, these bones will go flying everywhere. Anybody who's a good parent here, you know, I'm sure y'all thought of that. I'm not a parent, but watching
what sorrow awaits the teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. So you see the, you know, the exposure here. And then you got the, the admonition here. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will be clean too. How are they supposed to clean the inside of the, of the cup and the dish? Renew your mind. Well, but even before you get there. Trust God. Except who was talking to one. There you go. What? Right. Because they got to be born again first. Because mm -hmm. they're dead. Spiritually dead. That was interesting because he said you're blind. He didn't say you're evil, you're wicked, you're doing this. Thing. You're blind. You don't see the truth. That's good. You blind guys, the blind. Was it Jesus saying the blind, the blind think the blind? But for Paul, both of all the two. These people were blessed them. They needed to know Jesus, but these Pharisees were leading people. You know, think, think about that. Think about how deep that statement is. The blind leading the blind. You have some, let's say, you know, spiritually dead people that are curious about the faith. They, they, they know they have a need, but they're being led or spoken to by spiritually dead leadership or, work, or works-based leadership mm -hmm. where there's this, this mixture of law and grace that's being presented, right? Yeah, and that cancels it out. They kill it almost. All right. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's a whole lot you can pull from this. I'm looking at it because again, he says, wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will be clean too. So really, so he's pointing back to himself right because who who is the who represents the water of life it's him and his word right not going to back to what gene said because as a believer we do what we we are to renew our minds and once are born once we are born again we belong to the family of god that we, we are in that process of renewing our minds, so our philosophy can be in unison with his. Like, so we can see as he sees. But the only way we could do that is by what? Renewing mind. Let's think about that scene between Jesus and Peter when Jesus is going to wash Peter's feet. Peter says, Lord, you never wash my feet. <laughs> you know, you're the Lord. Mm -hmm. But then, how does Jesus respond? He said, if I don't wash your feet, you're none of mine. <laughs> right. And then Peter's like, shoot. I wash my head, wash my head, my body, everything. You have a spot in the middle of your back. I mean, you know. Right. And then, but then Jesus says, what? He says, if you're, then once you're clean, your whole body is clean. Except your defeat. Right. So can you see the connection between what he's communicating there 
in what Paul is saying in Romans 12. For the believer going through this Christian walk, you're going about your day-to-day -day business. This world is full of contamination, full of unbelief. So without the renewing or the, 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 the renewing of the mind of the word, spending time in fellowship with the saints, you know, doing all these spiritual disciplines, without that, then even though I am born again, I can get to a place where others can't see it as much because of the dirt of the world collecting on my body. And it wasn't what, what we think washing feet is. We think washing feet is taking your shoes and socks off, somebody washing their foot. These guys were in sandals walking places where there were camels, donkeys, uh, uh, all kinds of critters. Mm -hmm. So washing their feet could be a real mess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they had more than bunions and corn on that. Yeah, they did. <laughs> so they were stepping on all and, kinds and of if stuff. If you stepped in any of that stuff and the Lord said, let me wash that off, I know I would immediately say, no, Lord, I'll do that. You don't have to do that. You know, because you know how bad your feet would be. Mm -hmm. They didn't have Nike sandals and all the squishy stuff we have today. <laughs> well, that's, well, why did they not want him to do that? They thought he was he was above that. Yeah, They felt that he was he was above that, and that, and, but he wanted to to do so that to show that he was a servant. He was a servant of all. Yeah, he wanted to serve. Yeah. I think at first I'd be like that too. I'd be like, Jesus, you know, you're too. You know, I wish you had yeah. to. Then once he taught him, like. Yeah, wash my hands. Yeah, man. It would be like the governor of a state or somebody really high rank authority come in with a tub of water and a soap. Take your shoes off. I want to wash your feet. You say, no, dude, no, back off. No. But don't you see how that, that whole scene is the exact opposite of what he is calling out in the mm -hmm. scribes and the Pharisees? Right? Because you remember in the Beatitudes where he Jesus specifically says, you know, don't don't give for show. You know, don't say loud prayers, vain, vain, you know, vain repetition to be seen of men, lest you have your reward. Because if you do it for men, the only reward is you gonna the reward you're gonna get is from men. The the hand claps, the likes. Some Instagram smiley faces. That'd be that's pretty much it. Yeah. Right. Because that's what you're doing it for. Well, can you imagine here where it says that they, they, they give tithes of anise and mint? And can you imagine sitting down and taking one one leaf out of every ten off and put it in the little bag? I mean, they were making a big show of their giving. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a question. Does anybody see a correlation between Jesus washing your feet? And as like a gift, and what I'm learning in my other class, spirit, soul, and body, that all these things are gifts, healing's a gift, and all that. And I can't remember why the one lady, because this was a few weeks ago, um, and something, and she goes like, unworthiness. So isn't unworthiness like, how they would feel. Oh, Jesus, I'm not worthy for you to wash my feet. So does anybody see a correlation between we receive everything from God as a gift, but we're the ones in our way because we're unworthy. And I want to talk to that lady. I Zoom that call. 
so I didn't get to talk to her one-on-one. How many people have felt unworthy about receiving something from the Lord? Well, I'm not worthy to receive anything. Anything or something. People, yeah, he, all he, in the flesh. He, so, he gives it as a gift. Yes. Yeah, so, so is this helping me see? Because if you don't, I don't know if that lady got, if she's doing anything about her unworthiness or not. I know I killed some of mine. I know that unworthiness will drive you nuts. So is this a correlation? That it's another thing like, no, no, I'm not worthy. Does anybody, is that make sense? Yeah, I see it. And the Holy Spirit reveals that to people as as they're reading these scriptures. Hope hope for different light. Like four of us read these, four of us might have four different uh, little uh, revelations of, of what the scripture means. And we'd all be right. Well, because I want to ask, I would like to ask that lady, did, did this help you or did you do anything to fix your unworthiness? Because at some point we're all going to need healing. If we don't fix it, what's she going to do? She's not going to be able to receive. And you tell her Christ died for her, that made her worthy. That feeling she has of unworthiness. Yeah, but we, but we, but some of us are like, oh, I'm worthy for that, but I'm not worthy for healing. And we all, oh, but I'm not worthy to be blessed or this or that, you know. But once you once you realize that what he did, you're worthy. Right. You're worthy for anything that comes out of the room. But that goes back to you know what we're talking about, right? In in the broader sense, the whole idea of philosophy, mm-hmm. right? Because there are, mm-hmm. you know, when when you hear the gospel message and you hear about what he has provided for us as his children, some things are going to be a little more different, difficult to receive than others based on what? Based on our philosophy, the things that we've experienced, the things we've seen, the, the environments we grew up in, all these things, right? Because it may be a little harder for for strawberry sister strawberry to receive the revelation of god's prosperity but it may be a little easier for for her to receive the revelation that god died for her healing because of some things she's seen her mother was a nurse her she saw her father you know, lay hands on somebody and, and receive healing, right? See these types of experiences, they, you know, have, have shaped this person's ability to kind of receive that type of revelation. But that same believer may have seen their, their parents work for 30, 40 years and still just barely get by. Mm-hmm. And then go to a church that scorns material, material uh, blessing, right? So that prosperity revelation, it's going to be harder for her to receive that, right? Because of the conditioning, because of everything that she's seen, experienced, and been taught. And again, it just, it just goes full circle on how important this whole idea of philosophy is. Like, do are we really looking at life through the lens of the gospel, or is you know how much of the culture, how much of our backgrounds is filtered in? Yeah, it's very important to how we see things. Well, that's why it's good to have Andrew's group encouraging you. That's true. And you have excesses in both groups. There's some churches 
if you drive to, into the parking lot with a brand new luxury car, everybody's upset about it. And, and uh, there's other churches, if you drive into the parking lot with a hoopty, you know, car that's falling apart, everybody's upset about it. So it goes in both, both directions. Some yeah. churches really think you should be poor, and other mm -hmm. churches think that you should be prosperous beyond anything there is, and the balance is not there. Gotta go where God is true. God where God leads you, because then that kind of balances everything out anyway. It's like, all right. Let me throw out a couple more bullet points from the outline. I had a question about mm -hmm. just the word swear. Is there what would be a better word, you know, more um, common word for, you know, using that word swear from starting at verse 20 and then using it through 21? Yeah. So taking an oath. Yeah. Because if, if I look at Thayer, Thayer's definition, it says to swear to affirm, promise, threaten with an oath. Right. Now, if I look at that, the New Living Translation, it says, verse 20, so, so saying, when, when you swear by the question, altar. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? You're taking an oath, right. making a promise. Mm -hmm. oh, oh, my reference is in my Bible, too. It says, swear is an oath or something like that. Yeah. Swear by the altar. Okay, what are they swearing to, though? Like, well, I don't even understand what's going out there. I just left it alone. Whoever swears by the altar. So is this are, are they saying twenty, twenty one, and twenty two? Is that saying it's a good thing or is it saying it's not a good thing? All right, let's saying that's what you should do or what you shouldn't do. Alright. Let's let's go back and we gonna we gonna read it in the New Living Translation. Alright. Says Verse 20, when you swear by the altar, you are swearing by it and by everything on it. And when you swear by the temple, you are swearing by it and by God who lives in it. And when you swear by heaven, you are swearing by the throne of God and by God who sits on the throne. Now, you see, he's, he's, he's saying these three things. <clears throat> But remember what he says here, right? In these three verses, then think, remember what he said about taking oath, swearing. He says, let your yes be yes and your nay be nay. Right. Because again, if I'm looking at this in context and we're talking about an outward appearance, I could profess that I love, you know, the things of God and such and such so much that I will do X, Y, Z. I promise to do X, Y, Z. But Jesus said, do what? Let your yes be yes mm -hmm. and your nay be nay. But how many people have you seen? Let's just, you know, um, think about it get hand clap, hand claps and applauses for those big fake plastic checks that they'll give to an organization or something. Mm -hmm. And it's like advertised, right? Right. I promise to do X, Y, Z. 
Now, not to say anything about, you know, organizations that do that or whatever, because I, you know, God knows their hearts. I don't. But looking at this in context, what I'm seeing is, you know, the idea of swearing is is unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Just based on what he already said in the Beatitudes. Because again, if I wanted the applauses of men, if I was seeking the approval of men, wouldn't it wouldn't it it, it be a grand gesture to 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 make these proclamations publicly, mm-hmm. these promises publicly? Yeah. Right? Don't we get it mad at our politicians for, for doing that type of stuff? Mm. All these promises that are made. Writing checks that they not, they know they're not gonna cash. It's this type of stuff. So that that's what I'm seeing when I read this. Man, he was really, you know, correcting them heavy, so he might have been kind of almost even here, they had levels of swearing. One was to the altar, one was to the temple. And even today, you meet a criminal and you, and you try to back it in the corner. He'll say, I swear on my mother's grave or something. They, they keep bringing it up, moving it up to different levels. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just think about how you did that. You know, people did that on the playground. You know, they, they swear on their mama and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And their grandma. You got to bring it up to a certain point where everybody believes you. Yeah. You know. And then it's, I swear on my mother's grave. So, so that that's what I'm seeing there. All right, let's let's go somewhere else. Let's go to um, Second Corinthians eleven and three. Second Corinthians eleven. Excuse me. Looking at verse three. Hmm. You know what? I'm start at verse one, and then go down to three for context. All right. In the New Living Translation, it says, "I hope you will put up with a little more of my foolishness." Please bear with me, for I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. Just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. Right. Now, in the Amplified it says, but I'm afraid that even as the serpent beguiled Eve by his cunning, your minds may be corrupted and led away from the simplicity of your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. <clears throat> Simplicity. You see that word? 
And look at verse four. And I'm going to read this in the King James. It says, for he that cometh, cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. So you see, Paul Paul is talking to the what the, the Church of Corinth, right? So I see him here denouncing these false prophets. Well, I'm gonna look at I'm gonna read verse four in the Amplified. It says, "For you seem willing to allow it, if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached." Or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you tolerate all this beautifully, welcoming the deception. Yet I consider myself in no way inferior to these so-called super apostles. But even if I'm unskilled in speaking, yet I am not untrained in knowledge. I know what I'm talking about. But we have made the evident, this evident to you in every way, in all things. I'm going to read my little footnote here. In the Amplified, it says, The Corinthian believers were falling for smooth talk and messages mm -hmm. that sounded good and seemed to make sense. Today, many false teachers, teachings that, that can seem to make sense. Don't believe someone simply because he or she sounds like an authority or says, says things you like to hear. Search the Bible and check all teachings against God's word. The Bible should be your authoritative guide. Amen. And then making sure it's translated properly, too. Mm -hmm. You know, not twisting you know, around. And the rest of this um, commentary says the false teachers of Corinth distorted the truth about Jesus and ended up preaching a different Jesus and a different spirit than the Holy Spirit and a different gospel than God's way of salvation. Because the Bible is God's infallible word, those who teach anything different from it, from what it says, are both mistaking and misleading. But I have a question. Um, because which version was it? It didn't say that they believed it. It said they tolerated other people. Where where was that? Which version? Are you talking about the King James? Mm, what was the first version that you read? That's the New Living Translation. Where it said it, because I was like, were they believing it or were they just tolerating whatever you wanted to believe? Because it said you tolerate. It's over there, right in front of verse 5. You tolerate all this beautifully, welcoming the deception. Yeah, right there. Mm -hmm. yeah. Welcoming the deception. Mm -hmm. So he saw they were being deceived, and he's warning them. Welcoming the deception. You see that in the brand the brackets. Yeah, that's why tolerating is dangerous. Mm -hmm. You know, when people say, "Well, you need to tolerate." <clears throat> no, I don't. Mm -hmm. I need to walk in love, but that doesn't mean I need to tolerate. Right. right. We're all being forced. All this. Toleration is being forced on the church. Yeah, yeah. Toleration <clears throat> will lead to compromise. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. There's no other way to go. Right. 
it's interesting we're saying this because it's funny I was thinking about this this week. I hadn't thought about it forever. Um, church we used to go to, um, we were really big on healing for a long time. Like, even if we didn't understand it to kind of like Andrew Womack's level, but I mean, like, we literally, like, it, this was like 10, 15 years ago, um, and we had new people coming to our church, good people. I know they love the Lord, but we got to kind of where even though our pastors believed and we knew they believed God wants you well no matter what. Like, God didn't put sickness on you, all that stuff. And I know our pastors didn't believe that way. But we had a few folks come in. One family, sweetest can be again. Love them. All, all in love. But the guy, the dad, whatever, the man, husband, he had been through cancer. And he got a hit. But, well, he went through the natural way, which is fine. He was well. But he said that he knew God. I mean, he stood in front of our church and told this testimony that God had allowed him to be sick because they went back and they ministered to like the nurses were and they did all that. And that's fine. God uses you know, anything, but they made it out like that. He did. They had nothing said to them. They were even going to like, we had a youth leadership team. I was one of the youth leaders. Mm-hmm. I was kind of like a figurehead. I had no authority. So I was like, I don't know. We should be, Oh, well, we need somebody to minister to the kids. I'm like, they don't need to be ministered to like that, but we were bringing them in to minister to the kids. That's so it's toleration. It was this belief system, not them, they were sweet people, but they were believing it. And then, like, we're going to have our young people believe this stuff. But yeah, I think I've said tolerance, but they they don't want to offend anybody. Our pastors kind of got to that point. I'm like, we need to offend sometimes, you know. Okay. okay. I went to a Bible college by a very famous guy, and he would say, he was crippled in a wheelchair, and he would say, God put him in the wheelchair. And I, I used to sit there and think, what, what part of my company might have life and have it more abundantly is he put you in a right. wheelchair? What part, yeah. You know, and where would he get, with father, with where, where, where would he get sickness and disease from? He, he, he doesn't have it. Mm. The enemy's got that's, it. That's very um, dangerous. Yeah, yeah. It is da- yeah, it's dangerous to allow that because then the other people are going to think like them and then they might die. <laughs> Truly, yeah. Okay. I mean, All right. Geez. Now, okay. now we yeah, because we now we talking some stuff, right? We talking some stuff, right? Now, based on our our charge to to walk in love, to speak the truth in love, right? <clears throat> but not tolerate things that are going to taste taint the gospel, right? Or to bring some sort of to bring correction. How do you reconcile that situation? I say that again. <laughs> How do you reconcile that situation? Okay, you the pastor or you the elder. That 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 couple brings that testimony after they finish. What you do? I have a meeting with them. Correction. And have a meeting. Now you do that. Now do you do that in front of the church? No, 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 no. Not at first. Not at first. No, I, I think you do it privately. Yeah, if they keep it up, very it gently. Be, yeah, it, it, it's, yeah, it's dealing with the yeah. belief system, not the person. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, yeah, these yeah. people love Jesus so much, and I felt bad because the daughter, you know, she was in the youth group too, and she's like, I used to be so angry with God because of what my dad went through, but now I'm oh. good, and I'm thinking like. This poor kid, I hope she really sticks to her faith because she could get older and be not good with God again because I probably would have been, you know. So, yeah, I mean, just really gently. like you know, we My my granddaughter went to a, a church, and she really believed in healing. And I guess she was 14 or 15 at the time. And uh, there was a teacher in there that would just come against her all the time. 
and she'd come home and talk to us about it, and she was really upset about it. And I asked the Lord about it, and I, I said to her, I bet you a buck he's got somebody in his family that's sick that he's prayed for that's not got healed. And she came back a month or two later and said, yeah, yeah, he's, he's got, a, a, I think, he had a daughter in a wheelchair. And evidently he must have prayed and thought, well, she if I prayed and she's not getting healed, healing must not be for today. I think that's where it came from, you know? I would say probably if every ear that heard that testimony, they would probably need to hear the correction. Mm -hmm. Very gently, though, yeah. as he said, very gently, but, you know, definitely from the elder or the pastor or whoever's in charge. Yeah. You can, you can speak that in the sermon, though, without mentioning yeah. the people or drawing attention to them. You could just do that as part of the teaching. Where you know they wouldn't be, they wouldn't. You wouldn't have to call them out. Well, I think if, if you talk to them, if, if you're passing, you know, if your people heard that, now if you've been teaching them that, then they gonna know. I don't, you know, I'm not disagreeing with Kevin, but I'm saying if your people know that, and that's what they've been hearing all the time, mm -hmm. then they gonna know. I don't think you have to correct them right away. I mean that. Right then, because they don't know. That's well, pastor don't really agree with that. Concerned about like a visitor, you know. So right. Yeah. When I was at Rock Church in the eighties, uh, uh, an evangelist came in and preached some garbage. I mean, flat out garbage. And I, he didn't. John Jimenez was a pastor. He didn't do it. But the next meeting that we had, he got up on the meeting and played with the guy. That, you know, played the tape. They said, this is garbage. This is not from the Holy Spirit. You can't reconcile this with the Bible. Any of you that receive this, get rid of it and ask the Lord to forgive you now. And uh, I thought that was the right way to do it. But the, the evangelist had left and gone somewhere else to spread his garbage somewhere else, I guess. Oh, yeah. If you have like a, pass, like a visitor come in and say something, but like when it starts to be promoted or you know, it's over and over and nothing's being said, it's like, uh so ahead of time, it's good to know the people you invite into your church what they right. believe. That's good. A little preventive. And I remember being a youth pastor. I kind of experienced what she experienced. Okay. Yeah. You know, okay, I'm the youth pastor. And then they was they asked me, I'm not going to go on detail. They asked me, no. And I'm like, okay, no, that's not right. Which, as far as how to lead young people to Christ, I mean, the way I was doing it, and then everybody around me was like, okay, what is he doing? And so, you know, basically, after I did it, I got a phone call at home saying, well, why did you do this? And I'm saying, okay, well, this is what, this is what the Bible said do. Mm -hmm. Trust me, after that, I never did it again. Because, <laughs> you know, but it was like, this is what the Bible says. This is how we're supposed to do it. And I got, you know, to make a long story short, they were just, it was some young people who wanted to be a part of the basketball team. You know, so when they gave the invitation, they came up. And I'm saying, and so, we, you know, you go to the back and see where they are. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm talking about salvation. Have you said you your personal savior? Mm -hmm. And they looked at me like, what are you talking about? They just wanted to play ball. They just wanted to play ball, but I'm saying, okay, I, I get you want to play ball, but, you know, 
this is an important decision that you made when you came up. This is what I thought you wanted. And so, and it took up a lot of time because I would explain to them, you know, and yeah. it took a long time. And so when I got home, it was like, okay, what were you doing? Well, this is what I did. This is what the scripture said. And like, okay, okay, you want me doing that again? I'm like, yeah. I mean, but you know, I mean, I respect leadership, but I'm saying, yeah. this is you your soul is at stake here, yeah. right? Yeah. This is your soul is at stake, so I'm just trying to make sure yo, okay. I know you want to play basketball, but this is more important, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and see, you know, this that I'm, I'm, I like the dialogue, right? Because this is where. The rubber meets the road, cause I could I could feel just as strongly about my revelation as you do yours. How do I stay true to my conviction and what I believe the Holy Spirit is telling me while continuing to love and respect you? See, and that's I think that's where a lot of us been you know missing it. Like that's the challenge, because we want to. What the enemy will do be real subtle, right? And develop like some sort of uh, justification for me or for them to say something sideways or to be harsh. Yes. Right. <clears throat> now, again, does. Speaking the truth and love and being gracious mean that I have to tolerate things that are false. No. 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 But we can never divorce our conviction of our doctrine with the the love wall. Because the bottom line is none of us got it all. Regardless of how much revelation you got, there's more to get. And yeah, and you think about it. When you thought 20 years ago that you understood something and you were right, mm-hmm. and as you realize, you think differently. Mm-hmm. We have to just look at everybody and saying, we're all on a journey, right? and we'll get more light on this. So you just have to give people sometimes the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. That's where they are. That's all the light they well, have. Well, there's a couple things. And there. I've changed in, in what I believe about right. this. But well, there's a couple things you can't compromise well, I'm not, on. I'm not, we're not, the we're deity of Christ, being, forgiveness of sin, there's certain general. things you cannot compromise. Just speaking in general. Right. But I think, the, I think it depends on who, because if you look at who G, Jesus treated people differently, because how could you say that loving someone is calling them root of vipers? He didn't like and I'm not saying I know. I'm saying I don't know. But he knew they were. He knew that he didn't call them. He knew harsh, they were. Those are backwards. like some harsh words. So how is that walking in love? And I think it's because that's what he said needed to say to these people. But then the woman at the well, he does, He didn't talk to people. Everybody was saying it was a religious. Well, the religious people were yeah, the religious. You know, the Pharisee. Yeah. He talked so, to the Pharisee because they were supposed to be. They were. They were playing. They were. Yeah, they were, they were supposed to be. You know what we call. Like you said, Christians. They were supposed to be Christian, and he was like, okay, he was very the harsh leaders. to them, right? And leaders, so he's he was very harsh to them. But versus, you know. If you look at somebody who's a sinner who doesn't know anything about Christ, no, you're not. I mean, personally, I wouldn't approach them that way because if they don't know anything about Christ, then they've never been to church or 
then you're going to probably approach them a different way. With mercy. Yeah. yeah, with all mercy kinds of mercy. Yeah. Like that. So your language is probably going to be different versus somebody that's, you know, say, been ministry for a number of years yeah. and been Christian. And you'd be like, you know, the correction is going to be different versus the person. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's some things that ways God had talked to me, like, three or four years ago, I mean, he just was more gentler with me because I was in such a, like, really tender place. But then it got to a point where you build up your relationship with God, you talk with him more, and I'm not big or nothing. I just mean, you know, you get more comfortable. And I, I mean, I've had God call me a drama queen, but he did it in the right way, and it was so gentle, and it's just, you knew how, you knew how, you know, it was just a, like when God corrects you, it's so soft, but it's firm at the same time. I don't know how to explain it, but it was what I needed to hear at that moment. But then there's mm. other moments, it's like, it's okay, it's gonna be all right. You know, God knows exactly what we each need to hear at each moment. You know? Yeah, well, I mean, at that point, you know, I remember, you know, when my wife first got married, of course, you know, you're going through the change, you arguing and stuff, and, and I'm praying to you God. You did that. That's how yeah. I went to God and said, mercy, hey, yeah. you know what, God, you I'm know, shocked. My wife is, my wife is doing this, and she doing that, and this and that, and she needs to change. And God I heard something. He spoke to me clear that he said, "You need to change." And I'm I don't like, know that. Wait, and I just shut right on up. It's always because like, like, I'm going in way. on her. I'm going in hard too. He, God, you need to change. Her. Me, he says, what? I said she need to change. He says, "No, you need to change." Well, because it's yeah. always that way. You get one finger pointed at her, and you right. get a three point. Did you ever hear Joyce Myers? She was complaining about insane. her husband. She was she was in prayer complaining about her husband, and the Lord spoke to her and said, "No, it's nothing matter." And she goes, "It's only me and him." Well, where's the problem alive? It's not with him. <laughs> <laughs> and then it hit her like, uh, "Maybe it's me." That's funny. But now going back to you know the way. Jesus spoke to the Pharisees versus the disciples versus the sinners, like, you know, sinners, mm -hmm. right? Think about, you know, what, what was in the heart of these individuals, right? So remember what Tim, Timothy said about, about the law. The law is for the unrighteous, mm -hmm. right? And see, what the Pharisees, what they're doing is they're creating this external, superficial picture, yeah, religious, legal, yeah. religious picture of what the law yeah. was. But what did Jesus do to the law? He elevated it to the heart level, mm -hmm. right? And see, and, and it's not just because he didn't speak to them just because they were Pharisees, but is the individual heart condition of them as well as those around them, right? So they could, because people, they, they, the Pharisees weren't the only ones there, right? The disciples was, was, was there, right? Because they could hear it, mm -hmm. right? Now, looking at John 3, because he didn't talk to every Pharisee like this, and I'm going to show it to you, John 3. In the King James verse one, it says there was a there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles 
that thou doest except God be with him. Now see, look at that. What was, what, what was the difference between Nicodemus and the rest of the Pharisees? He wasn't trying to trick him or entrap him. Yeah. I don't, I don't suspect any malice or even know the right word. Self-righteousness. Yeah. There. But the Pharisees, they were always trying to trap Jesus. Mm. And he, this is just truth. Because they could not see who was standing in front mm -hmm. of them. Nicodemus did. I'm going to read verse 2 again. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. Amen. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And who were the ones that, who were the people that said Jesus cast out Satan by, by our Satan. By Satan. Yeah, who are those people? Weren't they some leaders? Pharisees. But he knew that he, he knew them inside out. He went to him and said, You guys tithe in the smallest might, but you but you don't take care of your parents. You tell them that you're the gift, that you're the gift to them, so that you don't support them because you're a gift. I mean, these guys were arrogant. Look at verse three. Look at look at verse three. Alright. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily I say unto thee. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And, uh, and look at how Nicodemus responds. It says, Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, he's a answering, uh, answering an you know, answering an honest question. Natural. Yep. natural, like, well, Jesus ain't number. There's only one way to be born. You saying I'm I'm gonna go back in and come back? Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's trying to work this out in his mind. Yeah. And Nicodemus like, bro, I, I said I don't see this. What's what you talking about? Help me. We all think that. I bet Nick, Nicodemus's mother wouldn't have saw it either. No. <laughs> no. All right, verse five. The Jesus answered, "Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit." He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. That's where he cleared it up to him. All right. And then you go to verse 7. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh. And whether, whether it goeth, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now, see, he's revealing mysteries mm -hmm. to Nicodemus here, right? But he was in the, he, he got in this position. Why? Because he recognized that Jesus is from God, right? He, he, he saw. His play, his heart was in a different place than those guys, the other guys that Jesus was talking mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, you know, we talk about <clears throat> whether or not, you know, how, whether we're, how do I say this? All of the, the different perspectives, arguments, doctrinal positions on different things. The simplicity of the gospel 
centers around Jesus. How do you see him? Who is he? Mm -hmm. That's the divine line. And, you know, when Gene was talking about non-negotiables, he's the non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. Because if you, if you are not, if you are not devoted to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus as being man's only way to salvation, then you're not a Christian. Right. That's it. If you have fellowship with those people, you'll end up like them eventually. If you if you don't let, if you let that go and just start hanging out. Now, again, when we talk about just being in the world and not of the world. So speaking to that point, because that goes back to because we this is a, a dialogue we've had before about what level of attachment and connection shouldn't me as a believer have with people who are not of the faith. And that's one of those things that, you know, I've heard, I've, I've read things, I read the scripture, I hear teaching, and it's like, Holy Spirit, I need you to straighten that's all this out. That's the key. That's the key. Yeah, Holy Spirit's got to lead you and guide you who, <clears throat> who, who it is you're to have fellowship with. Because I can I can develop a scriptural argument for either, either anyway, side. Anyway, yeah. Mm -hmm. To say, okay, well, you know, you need to be separate from the world. If I stand solely on 2 Corinthians 6, 7, right? But if I look at the Gospels, I'm, I'm, I see, well, Jesus was a what? A friend of sinners. sinners. And he loved the world. And he says, ye are in the world and not of the world. A city on a hill, not to be hid, right? A, you know, a, a light. Don't put the lamp under a bowl. Yeah, right. Exactly. Don't put the lamp under a bowl. So, But if all the lamps gather, gather together in the corner... What's going to happen to the rest of the land? It's darker. It's going to be real dark. Yeah. Extremely dark. Yeah. I used to, I had a, a book I read, I threw it out because whatever, that was her revelation, but it was a woman who wrote it. And it was actually about women's clothing and stuff too. And it just was a whatever. Maybe it blessed somebody and it didn't bless me very much. But the thing is, she talked about friendships and stuff in it too. And she was like, you know, well, you as a Christian girl or woman, you can do this, but you can't do, it was a do's and don'ts. It wasn't, mm -hmm. you know, like ask God, you know, and I go, I've had some friends of mine in my life right now. They, I can understand why they don't think much of God, but I mean, you know, the idea of God and I go, in some ways they made better friends and stuff. So the question about being cats I had, you know, wrinkled views and stuff. You can still be friends with people and love yeah. them. You just know how you, you begin to know who they are and you know, you can, they know where you stand, you know how they stand. And you just love. And you'll know the whole spirit will lead you. Yes, yeah, exactly. We have a friend of said she is she's such a sweet lady. We enjoy being around her and she knows how we stand. No, we don't know. Well, no, she stands, but we love her and she loves she's like we're always doing things. She has dogs. So we will always she giving her paper towels and stuff. She goes, I can never do it without dogs. You can have paper towels. And she's like, Thank you so much because she needs help sometimes, not big, but still. And we just love her that way. We just love her. Yeah. And she's been there for us a lot, too, and so many. We can hang around. We just. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit knows it's true, and there's some people we and don't need to be around. You know, there's, some. And, there's some. 
Christian people, I don't want to be around because <laughs> I'm gonna argue with some of You say you know you. <laughs> I have to argue with one. You, you say that, I say this. Well, you have to know when when it's your turn and when it's the Holy Spirit's turn. That's right. When it's, when it's His turn, you you back off and let Him convict of sin. Because if we try to do it, it'll backfire. It'll backfire if we try to do it. I used to work with a guy who was pretty close, and uh, but he was an atheist, and we had conversations. And you know, he would listen to me, and he would like, I don't understand this, and now I try, you know, I explain to him, but but we was pretty tight for a while, you know. But I mean, after we said what we said, he understood what I stood. Like okay, well you don't believe, but he wasn't. You know, we wasn't going. Why every day I wasn't trying to lead him to Jesus. Mm. No, it just it was, at different points we had conflict. He would ask me questions. Yeah, explain yeah, to him and you know try to explain the best I possibly could. Then after that, left it alone. I've had some experiences that nobody else has had. I was in a lunchroom one time, and this old man named John came by, and uh, he saw me reading my Bible, and he says, "I can't." He said, "You read the Bible, huh?" I said, "Yes, sir." He said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have sex with all those angels up there. When he said that, the Holy Spirit jumped up in me, and I, and I prophesied for the first time. I was saved about a month, I guess. I looked at him, and I said, within a certain amount of time, that heart's going to explode in your chest, and you're going to be able to meet them people face to face. And there was 200 people in this lunchroom. The whole lunchroom was quiet. And I thought, what have I done? And he died two months later of a massive heart attack. But it was the Holy Spirit talking to him, giving him a warning. This... He must have done it a lot before, you know? But it, you. It's true, we know now. I mean, you know, from experience of God doesn't kill somebody, it's the sin that kills him. Mm -mm. Like his lifestyle obviously was so rough that it did caught up with him, and that's sad. Oh, right. Man. Now, Julie, I, I like how you did that, right? Just to make sure, because again, mm -hmm. you know. People can misinterpret. Yeah, people oh, can no, misinterpret that. You know, no, I know, I'm saying I like that you, you oh, did yeah. that. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Because, 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 see, that, but because that's just like that's just like the whole situation with Ananias and Sapphira, right? Peter, right? Yes, people, you know, because, but again, but again, the scripture says the wages of sin is death, right? Now, if you continue to to work sin, those wages are gonna come. Mm -hmm. And depending on how much time you put in, mm -hmm. what type of what type of work you put in, those wages are gonna be kind of large, right? So, and 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 this is another reason why you know prayer for for people around us, you know, is is so important. Why prayer is such a a vital thing, and we don't. I, I think you know. I I repent myself. I I, I need to have a, a better prayer life, and. All, I think all of us can improve on that because we we forget how much influence we have yeah. in the spirit, in the lives of those around us, and they in the world needs it, whether they whether they recognize it or not. Yeah, just love though, you know. We're talking about here, just having God's love be the center of everything. And I was thinking about, you know, where the Holy Spirit knows to, you know, what we're supposed to, you know, say. Like sometimes we need to tell someone, you know, warn them. But then sometimes, like Mr. Gene, you were just saying about, you know, the Holy Spirit will show you, you know, if you're supposed to mm -hmm. say or not. And I got to think about, I think being on both ends. Like I used to, I had a couple friends I was in youth group with. They had, was on Facebook with them and stuff. And one of them died young and it was not good. But 
I knew, I mean, they were known to be very godly girls and, you know, in the youth group and stuff. And I watched them kind of do different lifestyles. And I would look and I would think, I may not have been the type to say anything, but I'd be like, what's wrong with them? They know better. You know, I think all this stuff, you know, years ago. Then I went through what I did and I had somebody confront me and it wasn't done in love. And I go, oh my God, I go, I thought the same things. I go, oh my God, I was pointing my finger and then like somebody kind of did it at me, but I go, you know, just knowing, you know, God knows exactly what we need. You know, just think about that. Hmm. I don't know. Um, I think we, uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Kevin. I was just kind of been thinking during the whole class, you know, how, you know, good moral character, I mean, that's important and important for believers. And that's something that, that I always, in talking with me and Stacy, I always call that, that kind of like our reasonable service, meaning that's just part of the fruit and that's gonna, that should always be there. But, you know, I don't, I don't think we should call each other out or nothing like that, but you know, the Bible talks about, you know, some of the things that really follow the signs of a believer. You know, like, you know, when it talks about in Mark, you know, uh, mm -hmm. speaking with new tongues, laying hands on the sick and recovering. Uh, if you drink anything, deadly wouldn't harm you. Taking up serpents. And then Jesus said, you know, the works that I do, shall you do also. So, you know, that it's like we went have gone through a time, you know, as Christians, and I would say not every church, just some churches, where it's like you're kind of like your walk and your moral character and you're, you know, apologetic and you're, you know, you have good manners and you say, you know, like those things seem to kind of supersede some of the things that, you know, it says in Mark or what Jesus said in John chapter 12 about, you know, the works that I do you also. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, and I think Andrew, he, you know, one of his little puns he always say is, you know, you got to rest for being a Christian. You know, people probably couldn't even find another evidence. <laughs> you know, so really it's like those things. And it's not taking away, you know, the moral character and the kindness and, you know, all those things that, which is the fruit of the spirit, are going to happen. But, like I said, those things are reasonable service. Whereas, it's like, you know, the real fruit, and that's what a lot of people believe when they saw Jesus, when they saw the works, you know, when they saw the that kind of fruit. Because the Pharisees were given the other kind of fruit, you know, doing all nice stuff and you know, looking all prestigious and dressing nice and doing things. When they say they had the best seats in the synagogue and, and wanted everybody yeah. to esteem them as they're walking down the street. Yeah, they were looking the part, you know. Yeah. And I, Paul even addressed it one time when he said, you know, hey, you know, these people who present themselves like this, you know, and I, and I can't exactly remember where it is, but he says, you know, you know, I'll see or who they are but not by the speech, you know, because I guess they gave fair speeches, but by the power, you know, because the kingdom of God is not in word, but he said power. 
So, yeah, we we are to carry ourselves and not be super offensive to people and walking in love and all those things. But power, you know, and, I, and like I said, that's not something we call on each other. You got power, you know, no. But look at, I look at myself and I self-reflected, you know, and I have with those expectations, like you was talking about, Jews, I expect my prayers to be answered. Not because of me, mm-hmm. because of who lives in me, power that young lady was talking about, spirit raised Jesus from dead living inside of me because of those things. But, you know, I do have expectations of myself because of the word and because of Christ who lives in me. So, and that was just some thoughts I was just having as this class been going on. That's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. See, Kevin, Kevin doing it again, dropping the bomb. <laughs> right at the right at the end. Right at the end. Right. So now, now what he what he was talking about? It was First Corinthians four and twenty, and um, the first letter to the, the church of Corinth. It says in the in the New Living Translation, it says, "For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power." What's the same King James? The King, King James, James says, says No, that's the you think oh, Romans. 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 Yeah. Romans yeah. Scripture. First Corinthians four, verse twenty. Oh, okay. Not in word, but in power. It's not just in word. And that's what Paul oh, wow. Paul excelled yeah. at power. First yeah. Corinthians four, verse twenty. What does that mean? The kingdom is not in word. It's not what you're saying. It's what you're doing. Right. You walk up to somebody and say, you be healed and fed and keep warm. See you later. But if you walk up to them and lay hands on them and they're healed, that's power. Yeah, that's true. It's not based on talk. I've met people who quote the whole Bible, no scripture, I mean, just kind of ran off scriptures like that. They're but, cold as ice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I know. I know. So, they can they can so, eat you with the Bible. They can chop you in little pieces with yes, the Bible. Yes, But as far as yeah. fruit, it's the word without any spirit. Yeah. yeah. They, they use they use it as a chopping block, and uh, right. there's no love in it. There's nothing in it. For, no, nothing to correct or anything. They they just want to. It's like they want to take something out on you. This is the perfect moment. For you guys to solve my problem. <laughs> okay, came up on my webpage. Amy Grant hosted a gay wedding at her house. Mm-hmm. And I'm don't know her. I I'm towards not saying anything to anybody because it's not my business. That might actually be an extreme. Rather than the other people think it's their job to tell everybody what to do every minute of every day. And so what do you guys uh, think about that situation? I got got angry at her when she left her first husband. So I've been in the dust with her for a long time. So me not knowing her and it's like, well, how did I didn't know her when she was married to her first husband. I don't know her period. I didn't know her then. Don't know her now. And I'm thinking, how did somebody who everybody applauded and lauded or whatever is, you know, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, this see, and this then is, now she and she's right. like, "Yay!" And I'm not going to apologize and love blah blah family whatever. She, I guess, the quote was, "I love those brides." So I'm not judging her. That's mm-hmm. not my point. Is like, what does any what do you guys think about all? I don't. That? I, I wouldn't want to be part of it, and I certainly wouldn't promote it. You know, because scripture is very strong about it. Is she so clearly? She's. We have we can she all stepped probably, over into tolerating. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. So clearly, we have decided in that section she's not following. Bible. And and now right. when we do that, the world the world applauds you when you do that. Now the church all the, like the world does. and befriending you know someone in the lifestyle of that of such as that. I mean, it would be different, but like to actually condone and support a destructive. That's lifestyle. what did you feel like? That's what she yeah, was doing. That's, yeah, that's too like much. She was a host. Something, yeah. But like to have them for dinner, be friends with, you know. Yeah, that's coffee. how I feel. Mm-hmm. I would feel it would be. But would be to me, the, 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 the dividing line is, is that we're talking about marriage. Yeah. God created marriage. God house. defines marriage. Actually, and that's a non-negotiable. You remember when for me. Remember when so was, I could be, I could be acquaintances with those people. I could love them, but I could not participate in their union because it's totally. Yeah. Entire. You remember when your sister came to our house with two gay guys? Mm-hmm. What I did, I said, let's, let's cook them a dinner. Let's make them some. We fed them, mm-hmm. wish, wish them well, and let them go. No yeah, condemnation. No, no, no. I could be friends. No, with but them. we were, we were, we were, we were, we were hospitable <coughs> and kind, and uh, okay, that was it. Well, but it's begs well, the hold question: on, let me, let me, Where is she coming? From? Let me jump in. Okay, All right. please do. Because. <laughs> When we talk about this stuff, because see, we we gonna get into some more deep waters, some deeper waters as we continue to talk about this. Okay, um, Christian philosophy, right? But the the number one priority, especially if it's if it's dealing with somebody that we know of or don't know personally, the the, the most important thing we could do is pray. Mm-hmm. That's not a cop out. No. Yeah. Now, if somebody is he walks to you on the street. And you know, or you amongst the, the saints, and you they somebody ask a question, give your position. You know what the scripture says, right? About certain lifestyles. But again, what we can't do is do that thing where I'm shooting this person verbally, right? And then the backlash comes on me, and then I, I, I feel like I got to respond because I have righteous anger now mm. to 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 defend my defense of the Bible. And then this, then we just got this cat fighting on social media or whatever. And who's laughing at that? The enemy. The enemy is. It's serving no purpose. Right. Except And most Christian arguments like that are over nothing. They're not, they're not even worth arguing over. A lot, a lot of people try to bring stuff up. They want to draw you into something, and, and if you see it coming, you can uh, with, you know, get around it real quick. Right. So we definitely going to get into some stuff soon, you know, as we... As we uh, yeah, and uh, I apologize because we really... The, the subtitle is, is the Bible true? Right? So we kind of only got to... The first, the first letter on the outline before we deviated. <laughs> yep. So this well, is gonna we're see, not the sharpest knives in the drawer. This is gonna be yeah. This is gonna be very um a very long series. 
That's all right. Oh, yeah. This is good. It's all right. This is good. But in each of these discussions, we're coming face to face with what do we really believe. Right. And what are you willing to do to stand on on that? How do you stand in these times? And we kind of did go into was the Bible true? We just talked in different parts of it. So all right. Let me let me put some homework out there, then. Okay. Yes. The concept of righteous anger. Is this true or not? What is it? Do, as a Christian, as a believer, do you have the right to be angry? And what does that look like? Be angry and sin not. What does that mean? I mean, stay angry at the devil. Yes, amen. Angry so at the devil. Listen values. to Andrew's. Yeah, that's what Andrew says. The angry series. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're talking about some of them. Okay. Well, I mean, we still need. That guy that told me he was going to heaven and have sex with all the angels, he didn't use that word. I mean, he was like real crude. But it, I, I wasn't thinking about what I was saying. It just popped out of me. I said, you're going to be there in a couple of months. And you'll know for sure. Like and, with the and that was, no, at heaven. That, that was a warning from God to him. I didn't know that man from the man in the moon. Being angry. And, and I didn't surely didn't think about saying that. It just yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Eric already confessed he got angry with his wife. <laughs> <gasps> but Shame. the Lord was teaching him it's okay, just don't sin. Right. You know what that means? It means when she slaps, you don't slap her back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. We got some answers. It, it sounds pretty cut and dry, but I'm, I'm going to bring some stuff next week. No. Okay. No, Could I recommend not. maybe some look up, if we haven't already, whoever has it. Um, Andrew Womack's anger management is a good reference or good um, source. Why? <clears throat> okay. well, right. well, just real quick, because I, I had this, this image about, because we talk about the fruits of the spirit versus the gifts of the spirit, mm -hmm. right? The, the good thing is, yes. it doesn't have to be either or. Mm-mm. We've been given both. Mm -hmm. yes. See, but you know, our religious traditions and the camps that we come from <laughs> makes us think we gotta choose. <laughs> but we got the whole package. We got the whole package, right? Because think about it, okay? Fruit versus gifts. What good is a filet mignon, a, a, a gorgeous gift of a meat? How how what good is it if it's a, on a dirty, snotty, Yuck. Trash, trash can. Yeah, if it's served on a trash can, lid. it's not got me. Do you want to eat that? No. Do you want to eat it? No. All right. Now, on the flip side. Well, if it was some cake, maybe. No. <laughs> oh, now on the flip side, let's say you have a platinum plate that's just polished to the brim, and you put cow dung on it. <laughs> Do you want to eat that? No. No. So, gifts served without fruit or fruit served without gifts? We have it all. It's true. You don't want that one, I'm doing it. bladder and the filet on the same bladder. There you go. And good. We have our cake and, and here it is. And, 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 nice go, and go somewhere. Oh, right. There's a knife to carve it and. Go for it. So we got the whole package. There used to be a lady that she taught youth, and she talked to me. She was taught telling the youth when they were trying pot and doing little things, experimenting. And she said, "What if I made you this wonderful dinner, and I just took a little bit of cat poop and put it in there, just a little tiny bit, 
would you still eat it? And I go, no. He says, well, that's what you're doing in your private life. That's what you're doing with all this experimentation you have. So, so remember, we have the total package, right? The fruit and the gifts, the same Holy Spirit that manifests both, lives on the inside of each and every Amen. one of us Amen. that believe. All right. All right, social media family, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Night, guys. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.